0: Check one, check one, two, three. Hey everybody, it's Michael Helms, also known as Michael the Sound Guy, and this is the Location Sound Podcast. You know, each episode we talk with location sound mixers, boom ops, and other industry pros about the various aspects of recording sound on location whether it's for feature and independent films, TV commercials, interviews, any time where dialogue from actors is recorded. I started my career in the recording studios in New York City with some of the big artists back in the day, and later on projects for networks like HBO, Sci-Fi Channel, and the Cartoon Network. As time went by, I got out of the studio and began working in production sound. Whether you're a seasoned veteran or just starting out, thanks for joining us. All right, my guest today is a location sound mixer based out of Los Angeles, California. His name is Andrew Jones, but you may know him as Andrew from Deity Microphones. Welcome, Andrew.
1: Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks for being here. You've been uh, on the road a lot lately. So you were in China and then you were in Canada?
1: Uh, Yeah, and that's just this month. Started the month in Dallas and then China, Canada. Next month, I think I've got Las Vegas and Colorado right now, slated, going around shaking hands, showing off new product, meeting new people, that kind of thing. In the middle of all that, doing emails and all the other things I should be doing back in my office. Now, instead, on a laptop in a hotel room, very, very busy, I'll tell you. this is—it is It is probably I'm busier now than when I was actually doing the full-time filmmaking stuff.
0: Well, speaking of filmmaking and stuff, when you're working as a production sound mixer on set, tell us about your audio kit.
1: So my kit right now is a a first model Zoom F8 still. I didn't make the jump to the F8N or anything else. I'm still rocking it because I'm a big proponent of it's paid off. It's nothing I feel like I'm missing as a person right now. So I'm like, oh, there's nothing cool in firmware that the newer models are getting or the new Units that are coming out, I'm just like, okay, cool. I can do 90% of that, and that works 100% of the time I get hired. So, no need to upgrade. So, I'm still rocking that. I've got, I go between two different bags. I go between the Zoom F8 bag itself, the one that, like, it ships with. And I also go between that and the Stingray micro bag from K-Tech. Just depending on what I'm feeling for the day. There's really no rhyme or reason why I switch other than how many wireless. For wireless, I'm running four channels of the Deity Connect with beta firmware because I actually do all the beta testing for all of it. So we don't just release it and go, okay, cool, you guys go beta test. It's probably been in my bag for a couple of months before we even tell you guys it's coming. And then I'm still using it before we even give it out. I've also got a couple of secret items in that bag that we're currently testing for NAB in terms of wireless that I again, it's one of those, we're beta testing. This is uh, probably still considered alpha testing. And I'll tell you, I'm liking them. I just can't tell anyone what it is, but they're in my bag right now and they're fantastic. And then on my boom, I've been rocking... I've been rocking a lot lately because I'm switching. I get stuff sent to me all the time from other manufacturers. Like, oh hey, we have a new accessory, we have a new shock mount. Can you try this out? You check compatibility with what you're using. So I've been switching in between my Rycote, Invisus. I think it's the Invis 7, I think I have on my mom, um, is my main boom shock mount and a Rycote. I, I chose the Rycote quick release. I know it's not the most popular. I know like there's others out there in the market. I just, I really, I kind of fell in love with that spring mechanism. I just kind of like, this feels nice. So that's on my pole between the mics on it. I've got the S-Mic 2 for my outdoor S-Mic 2S for my indoor. And again, I've got some prototypes that I'm also using in and out there that we've been testing for the last two years, still not released, but thoroughly testing. They just don't always work. So I pull it off and we go back to the mics that do exist. And we go back to the workbench and keep working on the prototypes. So a lot of what's in my bag is hodgepodge and it's always changing. So like what I just described may be completely different in four months, just based on what I need to test. For power is the most unique battery system, because I designed my own distro system from scratch. Anyone who knows me on a personal level goes, well, of course you did, because You were bored on a Saturday afternoon. That's exactly what happened. I said, I can buy that. I don't want to spend $400. And I went out and just bought the parts and made my own one afternoon, and it seems to work pretty good. So it's all homemade. It's got five channels of DC, and one of those is to USB. It's got a dual two-amp USB out, so that carries most of the stuff that's in my bag is, at this point, USB rechargeable. I don't have anything in my bag that uses double A's at this point, so I'm completely off of the concept of interchangeable batteries, and I don't miss it, honestly. I know a lot of people who are probably listening going, you, you don't have, I think, 9 volts, and even then on 9 volts, I'm on lithium 9 volts. that are rechargeable lithium 9 volts, which are also not too popular. So a lot of my stuff is I'm completely at the end of the day. I take that bag, and the way I design my distro is I can plug into the distro, and it will literally charge everything in the whole bag one button. I plug in, flip a switch. Everything is now charging overnight. I pull, come out the next morning, unplug, flip the same switch, and everything just powers on. No problem. I know a lot of people look at that and go, "No, I've got to have, I got to have MP ones. I got to have these other things." You really don't. I find also my battery system—the actual battery units—I designed myself too. I learned all about eighteen-six-fifty cells. I designed. A battery that worked exactly how I needed it to do, I used someone else's battery as the shell and started modding off the BMS boards to pull power exactly how I want it pulled instead of going through regulator switches and everything else. So I've got unregulated power coming off this battery, but still have the cutoff voltage like everyone else out there who has MPs or V mounts or now the new smart batteries from remote audio and Inspire Energy and all that kind of stuff. It's a lot of DIY.
0: Yeah, no, that sounds good. Well, tell me a little bit about timecode.
1: So for timecode in my bag, I've got the tentacle Sync sink, uh ease. So I've got the wireless ones. And again, I've got some beta beta test units that are handling some some timecode for me as well. They work really well together. I still do the ease through the phone. I know a lot of people now are still tied into the, like they got a slave in every single unit. But since updating and really keeping my firmware up to date on all my units, I found that the sync through phone works perfect. And then I just don't power off my F8 during the whole day. My battery lasts for about a day and a half. So it, it really doesn't bother me to just leave an F8 on during lunch. It's, it's a unique hodgepodge that I find works really well for me and my brain type.
0: Now <laughs> well, that's great for the customization. Well, besides doing field audio, you also are the brand developer for Deity Microphones. So kind of give us an overview of Deity for those who may not know.
1: The way we kind of approach things at Deity is we think about what, what's missing in the market. We think about all the people out there that are buying things like a Mixpre 3. They're buying things like a Zoom F8. They're buying these these micro recorders now that sound really good. That offer, as I said earlier, 90% of the items that most people need to do on a day to day basis. And we realized there are people out there who are spending more per channel on a wireless than they are for the whole recorder. And at a certain point, to some degree, that makes sense for some people. And it makes sense for some people. I get that. But for the mass majority of people out there, that doesn't make any sense. To spend $1,000 on a recorder, but they're still spending $1,500, $2,000 per channel of wireless. It just, they're still looking at like $16,000 to fill out an F8 at that point. And if you're spending $16,000, it's like, why are you on an F8? Like, so I'm starting to see like a lot of the the way people budget their gear has really kind of shifted and. Recorders came along and really allowed that to happen but everything else kind of seems stagnant in the sense of microphones are still the same cost if you bought a certain brand's microphone 45 years ago a certain shotgun it was $1000 today it's $1000 and it's not that you know it's technically decrease in value when it comes to uh, inflation but still spending $1000 on a microphone that's 40 years old it's crazy. Like you wouldn't spend a thousand dollars on a forty-year-old television, and yet in the world of microphones, they have not evolved to accommodate the fact that the technology is not—it's not groundbreaking anymore. They didn't lower the price, even though all the molds are paid off, all of the manufacturing cost has been paid off, those machines are paid off, and yet the price has still remained incredibly high. And we looked at that and said, that just doesn't feel right. It doesn't, it's not a service to the customer, it's a disservice to the customer. That a lot of companies exist out there that make all this products that kind of almost run a monopoly on the market. And there's a couple of brands out there that kind of feel as if they just stopped caring a couple of years ago and are phoning in on their laurels and their name brand. So when we came out, we said we want to do the exact opposite. We we want to prove something, we want to develop based on today's technology and really kind of be able to bring that to market that features that exist but for some reason no one wants to develop around them well let's let's
0: talk a little bit about the product line that you have and now is it correctly pronounced deity or deity
1: I, I pronounce it both ways. Honestly, it doesn't. I mean, as long as you're pronouncing the name, I, I'm just happy. <laughs> I never, I never get too all tied up in the name thing. I know some brands out there are like, that's, that's not how our name is pronounced. And I'm like, it's spelled that way. But for us, it's, you know, we're just, we're just happy having fun and that kind of thing. So we make everything from on-camera microphones for your DSLR operators and your mirrorless shooters out there, the, the everyday kind of YouTube audience that really they do more shooting than most of us combined. I mean, your average YouTuber may shoot once a day. Some of them are putting out 30-minute videos once a week. I mean, they're producing a lot of content, so we said, let's make a really cool microphone for them, and we've come out with the D3 and the D3 Pro in that market. On the side of that, we said, well, let's take that idea and let's put it into a lavalier, so we made something called a VLOVE, our idea of like a video lav. Real simple, plug in, you're done, it's great. From there, we said, We've done really good there. Let's go make wireless. Let's just have fun. We made a big giant list of like, what are the coolest features and other brands of wireless that we've always loved and said, how do we do that? And that's kind of how Deity Connect kind of came about was just us literally shooting at the sky saying, this is our dream concept of what wireless could be. Let's figure out how to make it work. And we chose 2.4 which is controversial. We know that not a lot of people are going to embrace the 2.4. So we said, if they're not going to embrace it, let's build them the best 2.4 gigahertz system ever on the market. So that when they do eventually see it, they go, oh, this is different. This is not the same 2.4 that everyone else has been peddling for the last 15 years. That it's not the same stale concept of 2.4 is for the people that don't understand wireless, that just our, our moms and dads and, and videographers and wedding shooters who, who don't want to learn about it. They just want it to work. So we'll make it 2.4. We said there's so much more that can be tapped into. I mean, just the sheer data rates at 2.4 is amazing. I mean, our laptops can f- huge file transfers off this. And we're just asking it to send a little bit of audio. Like, why is that so complicated? So we really dived in and said, let's make 2.4 cool for the first time. And then our last product lineup is lavaliers where we kind of reined it back and said, cool, let's stop being different. Let's be a little bit more like everyone else, but let's kind of make it our own unique flavor. And that is we wanted to make a four millimeter lavalier. It's a very popular size amongst a lot of other brands. Let's make it waterproof. Why not? I mean, actors get sweaty. I hear the biggest complaint about people out there is my lavalier got sweated all over and now it doesn't sound normal. How do I clean it? And we're like, Why don't you just dip it in water? That makes sense to me. So let's make a waterproof lavalier. And then our other lava is three millimeters in size. And we kind of just do that as a challenge to ourselves to see if we could do it. And it took us two weeks. So it was just one of those things that were the capsules we happen to be using for the four millimeter lavalier fit into a three millimeter body if you lose the waterproof. And I said, cool, let's do it. Let's just come up with something. Let's see how small we can actually make this. And two weeks later, there was a prototype in my hands, and I said, "This is exactly the dream. This was more than I could have expected, and it's much faster than I could have expected." In all honesty,
0: well, tell us a little bit about was it the HDTX?
1: Okay, so that is our newest of the newest wireless uh, that's open to the public, and that is our our idea of like the dream wireless boom transmitter. The idea that like there's so many boom transmitters on the market, but none of them have headphones. You still have to carry around like these little like I kind of always think of it as like as a fanny pack where you'll see the boom operator with all like this GAC and all of it and it's all wired up. You might as well just like be carrying a second sound bag and it's a lot of extra weight. And I'm just like all that work for a headphone jack. Why don't you just add a headphone jack to the transmitter? And I understand there's more that goes into it like adding analog limiters. Cool. Let's add that to the transmitter and all this other stuff, and I'm just like, a lot of that could just be literally at this point, everything that we put in our pocket on a daily basis, think about it, like your phone, your keys, your wallet, or our wallet has RFD blocking technology, our keys at this point have key fobs and Bluetooth dongles so we can find our keys and everything else. That just sits on our keys. And then you have a phone, which is like a small computer. And if you think about it on your daily basis, everything that you touch are just small computers, And then we were designing the HTTX, and it was like, well, technically, it's just a small computer, right? And my engineers look at me, and they're like, yeah, it runs on, and they're just babbling off, you know, CPUs and all this other kind of chips. And I was like, so we can just run some software on it. We can do a lot of this stuff and and manipulate the hardware with just really, really awesome software. And they kind of looked at me, and they're like, if that's what you want, I'm like, that's what I want. I want essentially a small computer to run this transmitter. And things like yeah, analog EQ, um, analog limiters, but a headphone jack. What else is A, a little recorder? All of it is just essentially a small little computer now in a box with a battery tied to it, with some really good clean preamps, and that's that was that to me was like the ideal of getting rid of the fanny pack concept for a small time boom operator. I understand there's gonna be people out there who need the big fanny pack with all their extra little gack and everything. If you're on a big movie, that's different. That's not what this is. This is for the guy who is shooting the Hallmark movies who gets a boom operator for the day because he could hire one because the scene was big enough. It's for the guy out there who who wants to do a wireless boom on an ENG suit because he finally is wanting to be done with all the tangling cables wrapped around him that he keeps getting tangled up in. For, for the sound mixer out there who really kind of – she just wants to be able to go nice and light and simple and not necessarily always have to wear the bag if she doesn't have to. So that's kind of what we developed with the SGTX was really to answer the idea of like what is all the little pieces of GAC that will normally get worn into one little box.
0: It hmm. sounds very interesting. I mean I watched some of the videos online and it's uh, you know it's intriguing.
1: It's a lot of it's a lot of work. I'll tell you the HGTX. Like we, like I said, the lavalier took two weeks to make. The three millimeter lavalier we just snapped our fingers and made it. The HGTX, it is still an ongoing thing with firmware. Like there are people who are like, I love the HGTX and it's great in my kit. Can you add this? And I'm staring going. I never thought of this idea. Of course I can add this. We've got plenty of space and storage on the internal. We got plenty of you know CPU space left for, for running the processes. Sure. And immediately we can add stuff. And we're already starting that list of like all the features that people are submitting. We're already planning out like what firmware 2.0 looks like just, you know, on day one, because to us it's just firmware. A lot of it is just if you can imagine it. Give us a little bit of time, and we can probably make it do that thing.
0: All right. Well, let's jump over to Sound 101 on YouTube. Tell us about that.
1: So Sound 101 is kind of our idea of that college class in audio production that you probably weren't offered. (laughs) I don't know about a lot of people who go to filmmaking school uh, or TV broadcast school, but you may get like two weeks of field work, and then you get like... 10 weeks of pro tools. (laughs) And you're like, cool. But like, there's more to it than two weeks of, of, of study. And when I went to school, that's exactly what we got. Like we had one of the few schools in the country that actually had a dedicated audio for film class where you learn for 12 weeks, this is audio for filmmaking, but still, it ended up being just two weeks in the field holding a boom mic and a role recorder. And even then we were still running that to what essentially was a fancy beta cam. We weren't recording internal. We weren't doing time code. In those two weeks I learned mic placement and there you go, mic placement. Like I really sat there and I'm like, I don't think I held learned boom techniques. I think I learned lavalier techniques in my talk show class, not necessarily in my audio class. And mostly in the talk show class, it was like, You clip it right here, you put it right here on the small of the back, and then you run the wire, because it was a talk show, so it's all XLR, back to the control box, right there into the box, and that will go to the control room. But we never learned things like how to hide lavaliers in college. Never did I learn all the different booming techniques so that it's safely done and not hurting my back or twisting my wrist in such a unique way that I have to hold it. And then all of a sudden, you know, 10 minutes later, my wrist hurts because I didn't hold the boom pole in the proper position. All those little things like I never got taught in college. So to us, when we make an episode of Sound 101, we want to hit college-level kind of concepts that may be beginner. They may be the first day of college. And some of them are definitely the last day of college kind of concepts. But we try to make it so it feels like this course that people can take, if they've been, even if they've been shooting for 10 years, they're doing camera work every single day, they need to do one little thing. They can hop into one video, learn it and get out, and they took away one little factoid. For sound mixers who are just starting out like that mix pre and that Zoom F8 owner, they can start from video one, go all the way to today, and we think they could confidently like do a two-person sit-down interview, no problem. Handle a short film and walk away not too scarred from working a 13-hour day. <laughs> but our idea is to really act as that course that never gets taught in college. Okay
0: what's been the most popular video
1: so far our most popular video actually was like video number two for us which is like how to be a boom operator it's just exploded. I think it's at 25,000 views and for at the time we you know we had no one watching the channel so it's been just sitting on YouTube for about two years just slowly collecting views becoming and it is our number one search for video of all time Followed secondly by how to slavalier 10 outfits, where we do five female outfits and five men outfits of different varieties from like evening wear to tuxedos to casual wearing just a simple t-shirt. And those two are probably back and forth, back and forth, real close to being like one's a little bit better this week, one's better the next week. All right.
0: That's good. How did you get started in production?
1: I got started in high school uh, when I was trying to avoid PE class. I was in high school. I was a fighter. I got kicked out of PE class because uh, roughhousing, you could call it, quote unquote, in the locker room. Uh, let's just say I was uh, I was the one getting picked on. Pretty obvious. And it just didn't really jive well going back to the PE. So I found out there's a weird loophole in my school district that allowed if you took a filmmaking class over at the trade school that was like paired with the high school, it counted toward PE credit. And I'm like, this is awesome. I don't have to go back to gym class. I can just go carry heavy, heavy cameras. And at the time, yeah, I mean, this was 2003, 2004. Cameras were still very heavy at the time, like shoulder mount, JVC, Panasonic, VeriCam kind of stuff was still the name of the day. And if you were 16, 17, you were still expected to carry a 45-pound camera on your shoulder. So it was physical, I guess, but not really. And that's kind of where I got started. And my high school teacher had just become, uh, shout out to Mr. Ruska, he became a professor at a local community college. So, when it came time for me to graduate high school, I didn't even apply to any colleges. I was like, I'm just going to follow Mr. Ruska uh, over to community college. And I just got started there. And a couple of years later, I'm still in community college, not graduating. And I'm like, mm, this probably isn't the best for me. I don't have a very good GPA. So, I, uh, I started applying for work and found a job that was full-time in the industry, kind of. It was in radio. And I made videos for the radio. <laughs> I mean, they stripped the audio for the radio part, but at the time, the videos were going up on the website and everything, and we were doing a four-hour live broadcast, live cast, just like, kind of like what you're doing now, but with video. We were doing this in 2007, uh, 2008, four hours a day, and then we rebroadcasted it for 20 more hours by hacking a DVD player at the time to sit there and loop every four hours using a DVD recorder that could record all four hours onto one disk. It was a really interesting way of like doing technology back in the late 2000s and just trying to get the internet fast enough for uh, video. And I think our broadcast at the time was like 240p. <laughs> it was like itty bitty size of a postage stamp, but we were doing video and that was my first job out of college.
0: Now, so you began, you know, behind the camera, basically.
1: I started and, and for most of my career, actually, I've been behind the camera um, I started out as an intern uh, during college at a local TV station, almost like 2005. Like as soon as I got to of college, I started my internship because it was allowed. And I was like, cool, I want to do this. This is what I want to do. And I was doing that a lot. In turn, the internship was mostly camera work, but also surprisingly, I was the A1 for all the high school sports games for the local, you know, local uh, cable network that was doing the high school sports. And in Texas, high school football is huge. So my job was to sit there, set up the mics, take the feeds from the boards, as well as take uh, the headset mics off of our two announcers and wire them all up in it. and here I am, 20 years old, sitting at a giant mixing console, mixing high school football in Texas as an A1 on a little small truck and technically only getting paid to be an intern. And I liked it. But I liked camera more because there was just more of do, And at the time, I thought I was going to do camera for the rest of my life. Fast forward a few jobs later, doing more camera work, more camera work. You know, the 5D comes out. I'm on the DSLR bandwagon. I'm one of the first ones to do it. And I'm I'm having fun doing all this stuff. And then I moved to L.A. And when I moved to L.A., it was giant like train wreck into uh, the whole idea that I'm going to be a cameraman forever. I move out here and I have a 5, you know, I've got my my DSLR and they're like, oh, you have a 5D. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, we can shoot this. We'll shoot this commercial on the 5D. And they're like, you don't own a RED? And I'm like, no, no. In Dallas, we were doing everything on this 5D. It was great. We shot lots of commercials on this. It's going to look good. And they're like, you don't have an RE? No, I know. I got the 5D. Oh, we thought um, we're looking for RED operators. And I'm like... No, you're looking for a camera operator who wants to provide you with a free red. Let's be real with each other. And it became very apparent that my skill set was not going to transfer because I did not own the proper gear. That when you're at that low tier and you're in a new city and you're taking any job you can get and you're just eager, I, I didn't have enough free gear to offer them, I guess. And it became just very apparent. So I took a step back and I started to grip because I could grip. I had enough lights laying around that I could bring some to set and I had gloves I can grip. So I was on a set one day and I'm gripping and surprisingly it's 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 not a high high budget production in the sense of like uh, nothing huge and fancy about it. But the sound guy shows up and he's even more low-key than everyone else. He shows up the second day because they couldn't bring him out the first day. It was all set up. So the second day he shows up and I think he brings out like a four-one six. I think they call it a Windex 4. It was an old school analog, at the time probably name brand, but today no one would recognize it as a name brand recorder and like an H4N. And it may have been just an H4, like not even the new model, but just, and I was like, what is this guy doing? He's showing up a day late, shows up with just bare minimum gear. Like what's this lazy sound guy doing? And I walk up and I said, "So you're the sound guy?" He goes, "Yeah, yeah." And I said, "So that's all you're bringing?" He goes, "Yeah, that's all we need." I said, "But what, what is, what's that kind of? What do you make?" And he goes, "Oh, I'm getting paid six fifty today." And I'm just looking, going, "How are you getting six fifty?" He goes, "Oh," and this is something I learned very early on. And he said, "Sound doesn't roll for free." And I was sitting there going, "I'm gripping. I'm making barely minimum wage." You know, just, just skating above it as a grip on this short film. And this guy's still pulling rate I'm not even new gear. And I'm just like, that's that's killer. I, I And at the time, it, it immediately struck me. Everything in his bag, essentially, I had in my closet back when I was doing videography in Dallas. Because as a, as a camera person, you got to own a shotgun. You got to own a recorder. You got to own some headphones and a little bit of wireless, like two channels of wireless. You know, everything I had minus the actual mixer that he had. So I immediately went out to a pawn shop in Los Angeles and picked up a PSC MixPre unit, which is their version of an FP33 for everyone listening. If you don't know this board, it's great. It's actually, I still own it. It's got the super quietest preamps and it's 100% analog. It is a very sexy board. And I wired everything up to my H4 and I essentially duplicated his bag. And I said, cool, this is my new life. I'm going to learn everything there is about this. And as soon as that happened, I got a phone call to go and fly back to Texas and go work on a show called Fixer Upper for Home and Garden. But again, not as a sound man, I got hired as a DIT and kind of a runner position because that's a real lightweight kind of crew. And But they shoot so many cameras and so much footage over so many days, they needed a proper DIT. And I'd done similar work. So I flew back to Texas and I was stationed on that show, I think for four months and every single day I would stand by the the sound man because there's not much for me to do as a DIT until like the very last two hours of a reality show. And then I'm pulling cards, I'm pulling tapes, I'm pulling everything. And then I'm working a few hours after everyone else. So during the day I stood next to the sound guy and said, what are you doing? What's that? What are you, what are you touching there? Why are you doing that? And for four months, essentially I took, lessons from this guy every single day for 4 months and that was essentially my apprenticeship of sorts where i i learned everything i could from from david and when i went back to la i said okay i started to buy a little bit more gear and i started to take on short films little bitty things here and there to kind of just supplement the income and just try to figure out how to be a location sound mixer full time
0: Okay, what's your worst onset experience?
1: We were working for Warner Brothers, and it was their new media division called Super Tramp, something like that. I think that's what it's called. It's a YouTube channel, and you can look up the series called Future Me, I think is what it's called. The camera is all set up on a hillside. Camera crew's up on the hillside. We're downside. Uh, I'm booming, and it is blazing hot. I mean, it is just... Killer hot outside, and there's no wind because there's never wind in Los Angeles except for like three days of the year, and then it's like 90 miles an hour. So I'm just chilling, hanging out under the shade, waiting for everyone. They're up on the hill, there's no shade. The AC goes, Here, I'm gonna go get everyone a water bottle. And he heads down, gets you get the water bottles, and now the camera's not being attended. And all of a sudden, I glance up, and all of a sudden, you see this, this giant cinema camera falling off the edge of the cliff coming down because it's shooting down at us and I'm at the bottom of the thing looking up at this thing falling going oh that's going that's not going to work and it literally just smashed, and I saw a Sony FS7 camera explode into many many pieces and a lens completely just shatter into sand and you just sit there going huh what's what's uh, what's the plan now And I've just—I've never had that happen, where the A camera uh, just uh, no longer is A anymore. It's—it's the Z cam. (laughs) There is no cam. It's the end of the alphabet. You are out of letters. Luckily, you know that kind of accident happened in Los Angeles, where one, two quick phone calls, and you can have a camera on set within an hour and a half from a rental house. I can only imagine what would happen, though, if you are based anywhere else in the country, far from a rental facility. But that was probably one of the worst days because it just for about an hour and a half, we just stood there going, did that really happen? Man.
0: Well, if you could offer some advice to some people starting out wanting to get into location sound, what kind of advice would you give them?
1: You know, I, I think my best advice and it's it, some will say it's my worst advice and it's but it's mine. I believe in it true wholeheartedly. And this, you know, I can joke around all day, but this one I'm very serious about is I see a lot of guys out there that will, and there's, I, I get it. The buy once cry once policy that a lot of guys have that say stuff like, well, if you buy quality, you don't have to rebuy it. And it's like, I get it. But also I see guys out there who are like, I need to buy three grand worth of wireless. And I'm like, how many people are you making up? And they're like, well, I just want to be prepared. And I'm like, that's dumb. Prepared for what? You don't know what to be prepared for. Like, you don't have a client yet, and yet you've already taken on debt. And as soon as you take on uh, big debt, especially if you went and, like, your first sound mixer is a 664, and you spent five grand for it, and then you threw down three or, oh, goodness, five grand for wireless. And all of a sudden, the first client who calls you up is like, 250 all in. And you're sitting there going, I've got $10,000 credit card payment I got to pay. I guess I got to take this job. It's it's, it's who called me. And it's like, one, you shouldn't provide $10,000 for free to a $250 client. But you now have to make stupid decisions like that because you are in debt. You are no longer allowing yourself to choose and pick what freelance jobs you want to take. Because all of a sudden, you feel the urge to pay off all those credit cards. And because you're young, you will also have, of course, all the other debt that you've taken on, like a car loan. You have rent. You have maybe student loan debt if you went to school or something. And you get those phone calls. And now all of a sudden, you come off as desperate. You don't have any negotiating power because you are too worried to say no to a gig. So my my best advice is don't take on too much debt. Or take on any debt. Buy exactly what you need for the jobs that you get called. Provide the gear at the level by which you're getting the phone calls for. Don't take on too much. Don't take on so much that you're prepared for running a reality show when your client who's calling you is a two person interview. You know, I see guys who will buy 10 Comtex, and it's like, great, you have 10 Comtex. How many get rented out often? Well, you know, we got the producer, so there's one. And it's like, what do you do with the other nine? Just sit there collecting dust. And they're they're losing value every single day. And they're not gaining you any money. And I understand that they may be, you know, one day, but today's not that day. So in order for you to have the financial freedom to negotiate your rate up higher, for you to say, no, I'm walking away, the pushback and counteroffer, low rates, you need to be able to be from a position that has – negotiating power and the best way to put yourself in that position i believe is to take on as little debt as possible so that you don't feel worried about paying that debt off Hmm.
0: well andrew as we kind of start to wrap things up if people wanted to ask you questions about maybe some of the things you've talked about today what's the best way for them to connect with you
1: Uh, Hit me up on Instagram. Uh, That's probably the best place to hit me up on because I'm on it all the time. Andrew from deity with underscores instead of spaces. All right. Cool. All
0: right. I want to say thanks to Andrew Jones from deity microphones. Thanks for joining us today. Thank you. And I'd like to say thanks to everyone for listening. If you have questions or would like us to discuss a particular topic, email us at locationsoundpodcast at gmail.com. Please subscribe to the podcast and leave us a review. We're available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, iHeartRadio, Stitcher, and on your favorite podcast app. Until next time, remember, sound is half the picture.